Well, Janelle Moore and I were about to start the show in a celebratory mood. Andrew Wiggins hit what we thought was a game winner. And then that happened. I, I, we're going to describe what that means. I'm sure you you know full well what I'm talking about. Chet Holmgren hits a game tying three with no time remaining. And then the Warriors lose their sixth straight game. There were some encouraging signs, but a lot to, to break down and nitpick and critique and analyze janelle Warner and i are going to do all that next this is locked on warriors you are locked on warriors your daily golden state warriors podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube where we're exclusively live, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars you can follow janelle moore who has bylines this week on both espn's anscape and the mercury news here in the san francisco bay area janelle congrats on that you can follow janelle on twitter at janelle 12 because also follow janelle on threads at writer diva and you can follow me cyrus sauces on threads at dog wild janelle this was not the the, the post game uh, saturday night live extravaganza i was hoping we we're gonna have I'm still in a little shock. We're recording this approximately uh, uh, 15 minutes after the game uh, concluded. A game the Warriors lost in overtime, a heartbreaker, 130 to 123. Uh, and I'm going to start the show with this, Janelle, because for the last 15 years or so, when I played basketball, um, I, I feel like the concept, the idea of fouling someone when you have a three-point lead is relatively new. I don't remember. Uh, and again, I'm look, I'm old. I'm, I'm in my 40s now. And uh, so in my day playing youth basketball, high school basketball, you know, all the clubs and recs and stuff like that, the, the topic never really came up in my day of, uh, or the, the, yeah, the, the idea, the premise that if you foul someone with a three point lead and there's very little time remaining, logically speaking, that is the smart way to go because the most points the opposition can get provided it's a clean foul is two points, right? You foul someone and, and, uh, you're, if you're in the bonus and you make sure you, you foul early before, uh, the other player goes up into a shooting motion and you lead by three game said match. Um, I, I don't, so I don't know what happened tonight. Either Steve Kerr did not tell his players to do so. Um, Chris Mullen was saying in the post game show, uh, and I love Molly. I always listen to his words like they're gospel um, that if you switch, you must deny. What I mean by that is the the Oklahoma city thunder did pull off a defensive switch on that final plane in, 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 uh, in the fourth quarter where Chet, Chet Holmgren originally had Chris Paul on him. They they cut, they created a switch. Wiggins ends up on him. And But regardless, again, this is a Don Nelson quote that Chris Mullen was rehashing. If you switch, you must deny. So not only did they not follow that rule, but Wiggins still had plenty of time to commit a foul to send Chet Holmgren to the, to the free throw line and prevent the Thunder from doing what they did. A tie, game-tying three-pointer with no time remaining and the Warriors lose in overtime. Uh, so I, look, I'm I'm frustrated by that. Again, I don't know if the if the breakdown there came from Wiggins just not knowing what to do. Uh, I don't know if it came down to Kerr not telling his team what to do. Maybe Kerr doesn't believe uh, in that premise of fouling 
uh, when you're up by three. But regardless, that pissed me off. Uh, and now the Warriors have a six-game losing streak. Uh, they lost Stephen Curry's return. I've said my piece. Thank you, Janelle, for, for letting me speak there for a few minutes. Your turn. Take it away. What were your thoughts on that final play? And how are you feeling? <laughs> how are you doing? All that good stuff. I'm annoyed. Same. I'm annoyed because he, uh, by right, Wiggins should have fouled. But that's not where the game was lost for me. The game was lost in the third quarter where Oklahoma City went on a 22 to 6 run. And I don't, I think that Kurt um, called a timeout when the lead dwindled down from 18 to 14, but he should have called another timeout to compose everyone so they could get back centered and get back locked in, but he didn't. Instead, he wanted the players to just sit in it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's not going to work. He should have called a timeout, regrouped, get get sets offensively. Mm -hmm. Only, but he didn't do that. Correct. And then Oklahoma City went on, uh, had momentum going into the fourth quarter. They had a ton of momentum going to the fourth quarter. But with a second timeout, but no, he he wanted his players to sit in it. And maybe learn something. Now we're on a now the Warriors on a six game losing streak. Yeah, six games. What about what? What are your thoughts on that final play though? Because that's going to be discussed. You know, this game happened on Saturday, so we don't have the usual uh, Monday morning talk shows. But regardless, the Warriors don't play again until Monday night. So maybe this will be a point of discussion uh, across all the you know all the the, the talk the talk screens and the. You know, all the chatterboxes started to sound like a, a, a boomer there. But what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that final play? Like, like, what do you what, like? Would you have done the same thing? Um, I saw someone in the chat say that Kerr never does that. I've never I don't have any uh, recollection of the Warriors being in that situation to begin with um, off the top of my head. But well, what are your thoughts on that final play? Like, should the Warriors have fouled? Uh, and what are your thoughts on yes. how they handle that? Yes, they should have fouled. Yes. Damn it. Yes. They, they there you go. And Period. Yeah, I, I agree. With a team like Oklahoma City, where you have a bunch of shooters, and and you're basically daring them to shoot, yeah, he he, he should have fouled. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, and man, I'm just I'm still in shock. I, I honestly like that 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 loss stings in, in a lot of regards. Uh, you know, I mean. This is the first time under the Steve Kerr era that the Golden State Warriors, uh, with a six-game homestand, with a homestand this long, uh, are going to come out of this with a losing record. They've never done that. We're, we're seeing a lot of firsts in the in the Steve Kerr era, and this is one of them. Um, I, there was some encouraging things about tonight, Janelle, and I guess we, we got to start that off with, um, we, and, and yes, uh, to, uh, toast the goats. I agree. This loss hurts like hell. I'm just, I, I'm literally like. These kind of games don't rattle me. I'm I'm a little like I'm also like shaking like just because of, of the shock of it. I, I still can't believe they lost the way they lost her. Um, we're, we're gonna obviously break down the actual in-game process because you brought up that third quarter. Uh and, and the third quarter, I think, in a lot of ways is symbolic of how the end of the game went. The Warriors were on a third uh the Warriors, I believe, were leading 79 to 61. They started the third quarter on fire. 
Um, you know, so we'll we'll get into all that in just a second. But I do think that was a microcosm of that, or a, a, a metaphor of the ending as well. Where one minute you, it looks like everything's fine, the Warriors have this commanding lead, and the next thing you know, the Thunder are right back into it. And we do have to give the Thunder credit. I mean, I mean, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander reminded everyone tonight why last year he was he was a first team All NBA, I believe, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. He showed his star power tonight. He showed why people now consider him one of the premier. Uh, basketball players in the NBA. That was just an impressive performance by him. But again, this is a Warriors uh, game that they had, that they gave away and they lost. If there's a bright side to this, it's Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins uh, entering tonight's game by many people was left for dead. He was shooting 13% from three. I'm not making that up. He, his three-point shooting was that bad. His shooting altogether was awful. His, his statistics across the board uh, in terms of whether it's assists, rebounds, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, a free throw percentage, every um, nearly every measurable for Andrew Wiggins coming into this game were career lows. It was one of the biggest uh, uh, befuddlements that I've seen uh, in, in, in my entire life in the NBA because I was on Damon Bruce's show a couple days ago. Every other guest I've brought on this program, I'm asking similarly, like, have you ever seen such a precipitous fall by a player in their prime. Andrew Wiggins is only 28 years old. This made no damn sense. But then tonight, he did salvage himself at least a little bit. I'll read off the stat line real quick. And then Janelle, I'd love for you to, to give myself and the audience your thoughts on Wiggins' performance, despite that, that dumbfounding final play of regulation leading into overtime. But Wiggins tonight, with 31 points, he, he led all Warriors scores. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander led all scores, period, with 40 uh, in this game, including a tremendous uh, performance in overtime. Um, but Wiggins was 12 for 19 from the field. The stat that uh, it to me sticks out far and away the most is his three point shooting. If I'm seeing this correctly, he was five for eight uh, from, from beyond the arc, uh, added just one rebound. That's kind of weird. Had three assists. Um, was a plus six in the must and the plus minus, uh, which I believe led all players on the Warrior side of things. Your thoughts on Andrew Wiggins? I mean, look, it's one game, um, and what he did at the end there was egregious. I mean, he should have clearly should have committed the foul, but he did have a damn good night. Besides that, what are your thoughts on Wiggins? My thoughts on Wiggins is when he started being the role man and you know getting in that high screen action, it, um, his offense started to open up. Those easy shots around the basket opened up opportunities from three, and he was in the rhythm and in the flow. And him being in the low post, in the dunker spot, that's, what he sh that's where he should have been all along. Right. So, so what, what, what are your thoughts? When we come back, uh, we're, I got to give some love here to uh, one of our many amazing sponsors. But uh, in just a moment, Janelle, I, I want you to uh, share with me and with the audience your thoughts on the future of Wiggins. Like, um, is tonight enough for you to feel comfortable or is tonight not enough? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it is one game, but it, it was a hell of a game. And we've seen what Wiggins can do in the past. So in just a moment, uh, Janelle, I'd love to hear your thoughts and whether or not we can at least take off some pressure from that panic button and, and kind of take a, a chill pill, uh, if you will, regarding Andrew Wiggins. Um, I also want to get your thoughts on Clay Thompson. I thought he played better than normal by his standards. I don't know if that's enough. Um, we're going to talk about Stephen Curry, who came back. I thought Jonathan Kaminga and a lot of the bench players played fantastic basketball tonight. Not everyone did, though. Uh, we'll talk about that and so much more. Got to give some love first to Prize Picks. 
Um, I'm actually seeing their national uh, advertisements all over the place. Price Picks is blowing up. Have you played that, Janelle? Have you ever uh, messed around with Price Picks before? Are you familiar with it? No, I don't even think I could play it. <laughs> well, a lot of North Carolina uh, sports gambling, we still don't have it yet. So I, I haven't played none of that. Okay, well, sports gambling is also uh, still not legal here in California, except for price picks. For some reason, price picks has circumvented whatever the regulations are. If you're here in California, maybe in North Carolina, I don't know about, about Janelle's home state, but here in California, price picks is legal and the premise is super easy. All you do is decide whether or not certain players statistically are scoring more or less than a number they set, right? And not, it isn't just points. It could be rebounds. It could be assists. could be rushing yards, passing yards. could be sacks. Uh, could be home runs. It uh, could be strikeouts. Whatever the, the, the sport, they've got it covered. You can mix and match the players and the sports and the teams. And it's all about nailing uh, a minimum of two players, maximum of six players, certain measurables that you're either deciding a player is going to get more or less than. Um, and if you nail it, you're winning money. It's that simple. And if you start making bigger, slightly more risque uh, picks, for example, let's say you're, you're going with a five player uh, bet. Um, you don't have to nail all five to win. You could get four out of five and those, and they'll still cut you bone. They'll still throw you bone and, and, uh, and give you some money for that. It's super safe withdrawal system. That's also really fast and easy. You don't have to deal with, sketchy wire services and again it's just super fun check out prizepicks.com slash locked on nba and use the code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks again prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code locked on nba and you can get whatever you put in up to 100 bucks they will match it so you play with double what you put in go check it out it's fun you are locked on warriors your daily golden state warriors podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen. Folks, Locked On has launched the first ever national 24-7 sports streaming channel on YouTube. It's called Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Make sure you follow Janelle Moore on social media. She's pumping out some phenomenal content for both ESPN's Anscape and here locally, the Mercury News, where you wrote a, a column on the Golden State Warriors. Tell the folks what that column is about, because I think I saw Andrew Wiggins' name in there a lot. I saw Clay's name. What, what, what did you cover in your column? Uh, describe that to the audience, please, Janelle. My column uh, Thursday was about the correlation between their low-percentage shooting games and it being an outlier or the way that um, the team has been defended. That's what it was mainly about. And that was a stat that was on, you know, featured a lot on NBC Sports Bay Area, you know, when they really were struggling to score. And I, I found that fascinating. You know, why was that? Was it just them missing shots? Or what about the defense? Does the defenses of these opposing teams get, get some credit in it? And in a way, they do. And in a, and on the other hand, it is out here. And, you know, maybe you're seeing a progression to the mean. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a trend that should be 
uh, monitored in spaces during the season. Absolutely. The, the Warriors shooting has been a, a point of contention, depending on who you ask this year. Uh, tonight, their numbers, um, they shot 45.4% from the field. They shot 39% from beyond the arc, which by their standards is actually good. They've been just got awful uh, shooting the ball from deep this season uh, for the most part. Um, Clay Thompson for this game uh, was five for 13 from the field, was three for nine from, from deep. Uh, he had some moments in this game where he looked good. Uh, he actually finished in the positive in, in terms of plus minus. He was a plus four, scored 16 points, had four assists, two rebounds, uh, was a perfect three for three from, from the line. Um, what are your thoughts on Clay? I, you know, Wiggins, again, his youth kind of makes me a little less concerned about him. But Clay Thompson turns 34 this year. We know about the injuries, the two major leg injuries. Um, you know, entering tonight's game, you know, I've, I've recited his, his statistics repeatedly. A lot of people don't like touching this subject for obvious reasons. Clay means a lot to this organization, this community, the fan base. But there's no denying that it's been a struggle this year. Um, by his standards, tonight was okay. I'd say it was good. It wasn't great. What are your thoughts on Clay Thompson both tonight and on the season as a whole? Tonight, he, he was, like you said, good, but not great. But on the season, he's been struggling. He's been a pressure. He's put a lot of pressure on himself to be the Clay Thompson that he once was. And I don't think he realizes that that version of himself isn't coming back. And he needs to, first of all, accept that. And then second of all, find a way to adjust because mm -hmm. he's still he still can contribute to this team, but not in the ways that we're used to seeing. What do you think the Warriors should do? Like, 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 do you just reduction in minutes? Do you just keep playing them like nothing's wrong? I mean, what, what do you think that, what do you think Kerr should do with Clay Thompson? Maybe, a re, maybe a reduction of minutes. And I think he was, he's the only per, key member of this core that hasn't, came off the bench. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I, I, uh, Draymond has only person that hasn't, that haven't is Clay. Yeah. And, and Kerr refuses to touch that subject. Every time uh, someone in the media questions him about it, he'll scoff at the idea. He'll shut it down immediately. Uh, my theory on that is that Clay Thompson's pride um is so large which also means there's a, a, a considerable level of sensitivity there right i mean someone with an ego right. or that big you know you, you also have a lot of insecurity issues tied into that do you do is that are, is that how you feel about it too or do you think totally differently what are your thoughts there is a lot of pride there because because of and that plus the contract issue he want to try to play his way into the contract that he desires. And there's a reason why Dunleavy Jr., you know, haven't really gave him the contract or, you know, the, the numbers might be off. There's a reason behind that. And yeah. I think if Clay make an effort to play within the offense and don't try to press so much the game will come to him easier yeah i 
and and you know we, this we've been t- mentioning this a lot uh, leading up to the season whether or not you know in most cases a contract year usually motivates an athlete usually if they have a contract ahead of them it's like a it's an extra incentive right the the harder you play the the better you are the bigger the contract but for some players contract years have a reverse effect where it's in their head they're constantly thinking about it it becomes a distraction um that would play it's it's the fact that he wants the the contract plus getting back to where he was yeah for his injuries so that's double the pressure yeah Oh, you're right. And, and the pressure might be getting to him because the results are, are not pretty right now. Uh, uh, Janelle, uh, I want to talk to you about that third quarter because that third quarter to me uh, showed a lot of issues with this Warriors team. Um, if some sound comes in, we'll play that. I'm very curious to hear what Steve Kerr has to say uh, about tonight's result. I mean, this was just a heartbreaking game. Um, and we'll see what if he has any thoughts about what went into the decision to not foul Chet Holmgren there uh, at the end of the fourth quarter. So we're going to talk about that and much more after we talk about our other gambling partner on this program. And that's FanDuel. So you're so, so Janelle, you're sitting here telling me that in North Carolina, you can't play uh, FanDuel or other uh, gambling websites like that. Is that correct? As far as I know, I, I can't not, you know, not unless some of these sites have like a, a fantasy option or whatever, but I don't get into that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, You know, I I really don't get into that. I ain't a degenerate. (laughs) I don't I don't blame you. It's it's prevalence in sports is crazy. I mean, sports gambling used to be a total faux pas. You couldn't even touch the subject in the media uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now it's like they're sponsoring programs. But look, it's here. It's prevalent. It's uh, it's it's a part of the scene, no doubt. And you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Meaning, if you place a bet that with the money line, you're not betting with spreads at that point. So take, for example, Janelle Moore's Carolina Panthers. No no offense, Janelle, but uh, the Panthers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. So my guess is if you bet on whoever is playing the Carolina Panthers with the money line, you might not win a lot of money back. The odds usually aren't good. Uh, So if you bet $5 on whoever is playing the Panthers, unless it's an equally bad team like the Cardinals, um, you're probably only going to win like a dollar or two in profits. But with any $5 money line bet, you also get 150 bucks from FanDuel if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. You can follow Janelle Moore on Twitter at Janelle12. That's Janelle with two N's and two L's. She writes for ESPN's Anscape. She writes for the Mercury News, among a lot of projects uh, that you have going on in the media game. Let's talk about that third quarter uh, real second here because uh, you, you, you brought that up, and I agree with you. That's a part of the game that really stuck out to me. The Warriors led the game 79-61. to 61. Um, and then 
what what the first change that that led to the Thunder coming back was he swapped out his his small ball veteran lineup that he started with, right? Uh, uh, with Draymond Green uh, out for game two of a five game suspension, Kerr went with the starting lineup. Uh, that that small backcourt, which I'm not a fan of. It was working tonight for the most part, though, but generally speaking, I'm not a fan of it. He had Steph and Chris Paul in the backcourt, uh, Wiggins and Clay Thompson as, as your wings, and then Kevon Looney was back in the starting lineup again. That lineup, for the most part, worked. If you look at the the, the plus-minus, for example, uh, of the starters versus the bench players, Clay Thompson was a plus-four. Wiggins was a plus-six. Uh, Looney was just a minus-one. Chris Paul was a plus three. Stephen Curry was even. The reason why Stephen Curry was even is because he's playing with all lineups. He's all over the place. Um, so he was there with the second unit for a lot of this game. So so Kerr starts with that unit in the third quarter. It's going strong. They have a 79-61 lead. He brings in a, a bench that included, I believe, Kaminga. Uh, Go ahead. Pods. I'm sorry, what? It was Pods and Kaminga. Uh, Moody. Moody. Yeah. And then Sharich, right? Was that the fourth one? And Dario. Yeah. yeah. So he brings that unit in. And that unit this season has been exemplary. I mean, it's one of the best benches in the NBA. But they were struggling. Uh, the, the the Thunder went, I believe, on a 13-2 run to cut the lead. And then they ended up finishing that run, extending into the fourth quarter. The only the only change I saw in all this, and this is this is my gripe, this is my point of contention, is that the Thunder go on a 13-2 run. And suddenly the score is now 81 to 74, if, I, if my math is correct, yeah. right? So the Thunder are right back in it. And the only adjustment, and, and this is where I feel like this is Steve Kerr's weakness as a coach, we don't see in-game adjustments, right? We don't see a spontaneous coaching decisions when it comes to substitutions and rotations, right? Like think back to 2015 when the Warriors were down at the Cavaliers, uh, 2-1 in that series, and people were, were panicking, going, what's going on here? It took like a, a video coordinator. I believe his name was Nick Wren, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it yeah. was his idea to start Andre Iguodala. And again, these changes were made not during the game, but it's like, you know, in between games. You know, that's always been like a, a, a subtle critique of Kerr's that's starting to pop off a lot more now because it's a lot more impactful when he's not making these adjustments. So his answer in the third quarter when the Warriors were struggling and the Thunder run this 13-2 run is to swap out Chris Paul, who is still out there with the four bench players. Uh, I'm sorry, but, but he switched out Stephen Curry uh, for Chris Paul. So in other words, like like uh, uh, Steve Kerr took out Clay Wiggins, um, Looney, and Chris Paul, and then he brought those four bench players in with with Steph. And then the Thunder started making this run. And Kerr's answer to this is 13-2 run is. I'm just going to take Steph out and bring Chris Paul back in. Like that's kind of, that's going to be the magic uh, uh, salve to all this. And the Thunder continued going on a run and it ended up being a 22 to six run that suddenly gave the Thunder the lead back in the fourth quarter. And then the rest is history. Um, this has been, again, a, an issue of mine for this entire era. It just never stuck out before because you had a team that was so damn deep and stacked with Kevin Durant's and, and Draymond's in his prime and, uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins not forgetting how to shoot the ball and he had, you know, depth of of unmatched caliber. Now, Steve Kerr has to coach a little more now. His coaching decisions are magnified because these mistakes are much more glaring than when you have a team that's incredibly stacked. What are your thoughts on this? I Am, am I talking crazy in regards to what, the, like that being an example? What were your thoughts about that third quarter and Steve's rotations and adjustments in general? 
I don't think you're talking crazy at all. That's that's been a long uh, critique of Kerr, and he he don't call timeouts strategically enough. You know, he might have called one during that stretch, but he should have called another one because, again, like I said, the team wasn't um, didn't regroup and they they wasn't recalibrated, and those and his substitutions. And, and part my French, they they are ass. Yes. Okay. He should not have uh, substituted, you know, Kaminga in or Pods in. If it's not broke, don't fix. I mean, yep. if it's it broke, don't try to fix it. Don't make things as complicated as they should be. And knowing good and well what kind of roster you have, you don't have that type of dev, that type of talent that you had in the past. You, now you have to coach. You're absolutely right. Um, and adjust. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and again, this is something where I, I do feel like Mike Brown hit a lot of those problems. Mike Brown and Kerr together were fantastic. Um, and it's not the same right now. Uh, I got some sound coming in here. Um, uh, Andrew Wiggins was actually at the podium tonight. Uh, who do you want to hear from first, uh, Janelle? Do you want to hear from uh, Andrew Wiggins talking about Chet Holmgren's uh, game-tying three at the end? Do you want to hear from Kerr first? Who, any preference? No, I want to hear from Kerr first. You want to hear from Kerr first? All right. Uh, here is Steve Kerr. Um, let me find that clip again. Here it is. Okay, so here's Steve Kerr uh, talking about um, – Andrew Wiggins. Uh, let me. Oh, here we go. Sorry about that. We're doing this live. I apologize for the delay there. Okay, here we go. So here is uh, Steve Kerr, courtesy of NBC Sports Bay Area, um, talking about the end of the game. How difficult was it just to contain Shea in overtime, and did you feel like just his shot making was kind yeah, of? Yeah, I mean that's that's Shea. You know, he's uh, one on one at the top of the key. He's really tough, and they got shooters everywhere. So you know, you 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 try to throw a few different things at him, but um, he made he made tough shots. I was disappointed we didn't get the challenge. Um, you know, I thought um, from the replay, it looked like um, Wiggs, uh, you know, was in position, went up, and he swiped down, but he didn't hit him. But they said it was a it was a block. The, the NBA has this uh, legal guarding position thing they talk about, and we're the only league in the in the world where, you know, you you. If you're sliding your feet and you're moving a little bit and, and the guy bumps into you, they, they, you know, we call a blocking foul because it's legal guarding position. So I was disappointed on that play, but it's the way it goes. I, I, of all the plays in the game, I do not think that was, was the, was the problem. I, I, that's, I don't know why that is even being highlighted here is here. Let's listen to Andrew Wiggins uh, who talked about the end of game sequence um, where he decided not to foul uh, Chet Holmgren which resulted in a tie and ultimately a loss for the Warriors. There was 1.6 seconds left. You know, Chet hits the three in the corner. I know sometimes you guys want to foul up three. Sometimes you don't. What was kind of the instruction coming out? And did you feel like there was a chance to get a foul in or did you just? You could foul, but I feel like he was about to turn his shoes. So it would have been a, either he going to shoot it or three free throws. Yeah. So I just tried to put a hand up. Did you feel like it was a, I mean, a decent contest? I know he's, you know, seven. I tried. He's tall. What's uh, what's the emotional swing for you in that, you know, minute period where I mean, you know, you hit your fifth mm-hmm. three of the game. It looks like mm-hmm. it's going to be a game winner, and then mm-hmm. kind of the gut punch. Um, that's the NBA. 
you know, as long as there's time on the clock, you never know what could happen. You know, there's a lot of good players in this league, and, you know, Chad, uh, you know, had a great game. Uh, so. All right, so that was Andrew Wiggins. Look, I, my memory of that is it wasn't just an immediate catch and shoot. I could have swore there was like a, there was time. Like it, it, unless this whole thing is being played back in my mind it, a lot slower than it actually happened. I do not agree. Do not agree with Wiggins' assessment there that there it was just too fast. What what were, what were your thoughts of Wiggins' comments there? I really can't call it. I mean, I, I understand, you know, if if he was to go up and foul, that would probably be free throws. And the possibility, it still would have been tied at the free throw line. So I, I, in this instance, coming from his perspective, you know, I, I kind of understand the need to contend. Yeah, because Rebel sounds in his thoughts, you know, if if he was the foul, it would have been three free throws. And Chet is uh, about a ninety percent, about ninety one percent free throw shooter, if, if I'm not mistaken. He's a good free throw shooter. He's a good shooter. Yeah. Period. I mean, yeah. that's evident so, by that. Well, I, I kind of get it. So you you live with that. Yeah, Rebel the sounds right. It's one point six seconds. That's how much time was on the clock yeah, when it was it is inbounded. A lot of time in the NBA, you know, you don't take that for granted. I just I I like, I heard I don't know if you're listening to the broadcast. You know when Fitz and Kalena were discussing this, like they were uh, ardent in their belief that that they should have committed a foul before there was any chance for a three. They were talking about communicating with the refs. Shooting action before, uh, and I, I get that as well. Yeah, and maybe that's what Wigan should have done before Chet going up to shoot. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I get I get their perspective and I get Andrew's perspective as well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get Andrew's at all. I I don't I just I, I I'm playing that replaying that play in my mind and I I just remember but seeing Chet. But I do if Chet was trying to get up to shoot, and if Andrew was to whack him, that would have been three free throws. And knowing he's a ninety-one percent free throw shooter, so. I get wanting to contend in that instance, but you know, Andrew should have and maybe could have fouled before Chet went in the shooting motion. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, that's that's frustrating. I just feel like if Wiggins had just grabbed him immediately before yeah. there was even any possibility of going, because because it's not like Chet grabbed it and just flew it up. Chet was like, Chet was like turning around. He was he was positioning himself like. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to look at that replay again. But nonetheless, they lose. Janelle, that was brutal. Thanks for coming on, though. This was awesome. Um, sorry, Dub Nation. That was brutal. Janelle, love you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, everyone. Another loss. Good night. Bye-bye.